Hello and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at Post Office Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. To me and the language of your perfect love rises like a symphony and you've captured my soul with your song in your grace where I know I belong and your love changed the beat of my heart sing over me you singing, Lord, I'm believing there's a new kind of freedom raining down on me, and you've captured my soul with your song, in your grace where I know I belong, and your love changed the beat of my heart, sing over me. Give him a hand, would you? Uh, turn to Psalm 121. T.L. came a while ago and, and said the Lord told him to share this with us. <clears throat> so I, I pray that it will minister to your heart and where you are and where we are with this virus and all of the other things that are happening and some of which are frightening you know what's China going to do what's Russia going to do well I know I don't know about them but I know Jesus what he's going to do he's coming he says I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help my help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Amen. Say amen to that because it's the truth. Thank you, my Jesus. I'd like you to turn over to Luke chapter 8. I 
I was sharing with the class Tuesday night that somebody told me once whenever you're reading the Bible, you should always keep your fingers in the Gospels. In other words, what, what would Jesus say about it? What would Jesus have to say? That's something you need to remember. Uh, sometimes we can get messed up in our thinking, but when we turn back to the Gospels and what Jesus said about it, then we won't be led astray. Amen? Look at verse uh, number 5. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. Now, let me remind you what this is. It's a parable. It's a story. It's a story that has a metaphorical meaning for something else. The reason Jesus taught things in parables was so that it would make an impression on your brain and you would have a tendency to remember it and therefore remember what the parable really is speaking about. He was a master at that, and thank God he was because it teaches us a lot. Verse 6, And some fell upon a rock, the seed, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell upon thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And others fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? Now he's going to give you the meaning. And I want you to really lay a hold of this, okay? Thank you, Lord. And he said, verse 10, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Now, let me, in fact, let me ask you, what do seeds do? You take a seed, and it's funny what we do with seeds. And seeds are kind of ugly-looking things that you never would dream or recognize that they would grow up into some beautiful tree or plant, rosebush, whatever it happens to be. But you take seeds and you do a strange thing with them. You, you dig a hole in the earth, just like when you bury somebody that's died. And you take those seeds and you sprinkle them down in that hole and then you cover it up. Total darkness. But it's warm under there. Sun comes out, more warmth. A little bit of rain or you in your garden and you use your hose. And something miraculous happens to the seed. Bursts open and heads for the top. One day you're out there and you look and, and and you look again and you see, well look at that. There's a there's a little green thing popping out of the earth. It's life. And that's what the word of God is. It's a seed that produces life. Look at me. The more you read the word, the more life you're going to have in yourself. And some of you, I. I love you, but you're not reading the Word. The only word you get is when you're in church. And that's better than nothing. But listen, you ought to, you ought to make a, just make a deal with God. Say, God, I, I, I want to read your Word every day for five minutes or ten minutes or whatever you think you can do. And you know what? It won't take very long. You will definitely start seeing a change in your feelings, your behavior, your love towards others, and your love toward God. It's a seed. 
and it produces life. Amen? Good. Now, verse 12, Those by the wayside are they that hear, and then cometh the devil and take away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Now, let, let, I want to draw a picture here in your mind of a, of a garden. And you, when you lay a garden out, it's usually in a square, and uh, it's got borders, rims all the way around it. Now, you take your seeds and you keep them in, you, you till the soil first and you break it up, but then you put your seeds inside the borders of your garden. Now, when you go, when you take time to, to throw your seeds in that garden, you've got to be real careful because it's in, within the bounds of that garden that you are preparing the soil, watering it, uh, pulling the weeds out and getting rid of those. But if you throw seeds over here outside of the boundary and you're not going to tear that soil up and you're not going to pull weeds out of that, what happens? The weeds, whatever, chokes the seeds out. This, listen to me. The seed is the word and it takes preparation for you to receive God's word. I don't know if you've noticed this, but almost everything Jesus taught in the Word was hard. Now, there's a lot of love in it, don't get me wrong, but almost everything He taught us was hard. He said, love your enemies. He said, if, if your enemy strikes you on your face on this side, turn this side and let him hit that side. If they steal your cloak, let them have your coat. Just, Lord, why are you trying to teach us these things? My dad didn't teach me that. My dad taught me if a guy was bothering me, I'd just slap him upside his face. Right? Right, Ruby? But you can't do that. Because what, what is so important to God is restoration. The restoration of relationships. The restoration of marriages. The restoration between you and your children. That's what God's after. And He mainly wants the restoration between you and Him. He's always loved you. He's never changed his mind about it. Some of you, like me, were raised in a not a Christian home. Uh, they, my parents thought they were Christians, I guess, but they never went to church. They, uh, my dad would say uh, grace at the table, but he usually wasn't home to eat with us, so that didn't work very good either. But how many of you know God had a plan? He's got a plan for you, and I don't care how you were raised, God's going to find you, and He's going to explode you with a seed. And you're going to come to life. And because you do, other people are going to come to life. So remember that garden. Keep your seeds inside the boundaries of that garden. Don't, don't go outside of God's Word or somewhere else to find the truth. The truth is in the Word. It's not in... Uh, the Buddhist materials, the Mormon materials, it's not in any of that. It's in the Word of God. You hold it in your lap right now. That's where it comes from. You've got to keep that in your mind. That's what he taught us. Now, for verse 13, They on, on the rock are they which when they hear receive the Word with joy, and these have no root, for a while, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. So, you know, when you're looking for a garden spot, you don't pick a place that's full of rocks. If you find one like that, you're going to have to spend your time digging the rock, rocks out of that soil and getting rid of it, bringing some new soil in from somewhere else, tilling it into the old soil. And most people don't want to do that, so they just throw their seeds in there among the rocks. And it looks pretty good for a while, but if there's no depth of soil, the seed's not... Listen, the root of the seed is just important 
if not more important than what comes out of the ground. Because the root, even though it has volunteered to stay in the darkness of that soil, that root is bringing forth the moisture and the nutrients from the soil and from the rain, and it's bringing them up the plant and produces something beautiful. And I got to tell you guys, I've been, some of your pastors, I've been 30 years, and I've watched you grow, I've watched how you've raised your kids, and uh, it's really remarkable to see how, what God's done in your life. I hope you see something of God in my life. That's what this is all about. It's about seeds, and it's about life. Now, seeds are tiny. And when God's dealing with you about getting your relationship right with somebody who hurts you, you might think, well, I don't want to do it because I don't really want to talk to him. Listen, you may not have to talk to him. Sometimes it just takes a little seed. Maybe you should uh, write a little letter or a little card and send it to him. A little seed. It says, I, I know something's wrong between us, and I want you to know it's my fault. Yeah, you take the blame. Why you? Because if you throw the blame on them, what are they going to do? They're going to cut you off. They're going to throw that letter in the trash and you'll never hear from them again. But if you take this, the blame, suddenly all of the repulsion that they have and, and everything that's negative will begin to dissolve. She's taking the blame. Well, that's not, I know it's not true. I know it was my fault. And sometimes they'll come in and they'll admit it. Sometimes they won't. It takes a little more time. You know, God's dealing with all of us every day. For some of us, it's easy for God. He just whispers something out of His Word, a seed, He plants it, and we respond to it, and glory takes place. But for some of us who have been so wounded and hurt by people in our family, friends, neighbor, whoever it is, it's a little more difficult for you. And little girls who've been sexually abused... And I've had them in my office. I've had some as young as three years old that when, they were, uh, when they were abused, five years old. Lived with that until they grew up and they got married. And you know what? The, the, the men, if you call them that, that abuse these little girls, they don't care. They don't care about anything but themselves. Listen to me. If you were abused, ladies... You need to hear me say this. God cares about you. He loves you. He wants to heal you today. So that, that that ugly memory will never return. It's a seed. God throws a seed inside of you. And he takes all the ugliness out. And dissolves it. And it goes somewhere else. You don't care where it goes. As long as it, it doesn't stay inside of you. Amen? All of you are precious. And you are all special. Verse 14 and that which fell among thorns are those uh, which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. There's another scripture. You can't serve God in the world. If this is the world over here and God over here, you can't straddle the fence and serve both. You've got to make a decision. And, and uh, th listen, I've got to be honest, the thing, some of the things in the world are very tempting. Sex, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, very tempting. 
but you can't serve both. You've got to make a decision. You have to make a decision. And I know you'll make the right one because God cares about you. And he'll help you with the right seed. Now look at verse 15. That's very important. But that on the good ground are those seeds which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Hallelujah. Now I want you to look at Luke chapter 12, if you would. Every day when you get up, you should pray, Lord, fill me with your seeds. Fill me with your word. And yes, my wife's uh, very disciplined about this. Every morning when she gets up, she goes to the living room, turns on the light, gets her Bible, and she reads it every single day. That's why she's so wonderful. Right? All right, Luke chapter 12, verse 1. And in the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware you of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy means saying one thing, doing another. Acting holy, but in reality there's evil. Hypocrite. Listen, nobody likes a hypocrite, so make sure you're not one. And he says that that's what the Pharisees were all about. Well, who, who were they? The Pharisees were the, the ruling uh, part of the uh, Jewish uh, nation. Sadducees and Pharisees. Pharisees are the ones that wore purple robes and, and regalia, and they, and they were real proud about being religious, and, and they'd go out in, the, in, in public and show themselves to be religious, and yet they were hypocrites because they were also seen in other places doing things that they shouldn't ought to have been doing. It's, it's hypocrisy, and you know, Jesus understood it. There were people like Judas who told him, I love you, but he turned his back on him. For 30 pieces of silver, the Lord of glory was crucified. 30 pieces of silver. You know, he came under the will of the Lord in the sense that he couldn't stand what he did. He went back to the Pharisees and threw that money down at them and said, I I don't want it. And then he went out and hung himself. Some some people think that uh, maybe he repented and maybe he'll go to heaven. I, I can't answer that. Most people don't think that'll happen. But I know that what he did, was it worth 30 pieces of silver? Yet on the other hand, it was also an ugly seed, but it was a seed that produced what Jesus had to do. Jesus knew why he was born. He was born to die for you. He was born to die for you. Aren't you glad? Because had he not died for you, you wouldn't be in this church now. You'd be somewhere miserable. And then when you died, you'd be in a worse place, more miserable for eternity. And you don't want that. I'd rather be in a wonderful place that's full of joy. I don't want, I, I don't want any misery. How about you? All right. Where did, okay, verse 2. But there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, 
neither hidden that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which you have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. You may think that some of the things like gossip that you share with other people or nobody knows about but you and the other person, and God here says, I'm going to reveal what you've done to everybody. You can't hide anything from God. Even, even your mind, men are bad about pornography and thinking things in their mind, thinking, well, as long as I don't act on it and I don't give myself away, nobody will know it. God knows. God knows everything that's in your mind. He knows everything that you think before you think it. Yet he still loves you. Why is that? I lay sitting there on my mother's couch all those years ago, weeping. Bible in my hand, a book in the other hand, late great planet Earth. And I said, Lord, such as I am, I give you my life. And I didn't think he'd take it because I was pretty ugly, nasty. Some of the things I were doing was bad. God said, I'll take you just like you are. Now, where can you go and find a God like that? Where? There's not a God anywhere that would say that to you, but, but the true one and only true God, I'll take you just like you are. Verse number four, And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will for, forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. What is hell? That's a strange, strange thing. Hell is not what you think. We've taught everybody that hell's the final holding place for everybody that didn't know the Lord. It's not true. Hell is a holding place where people who don't know the Lord, when they die, they go there. And it's coupled together with another holding place called Abraham's bosom. That's where righteous people go when they die. But they're all being prepared for something. The righteous are being prepared for the building of the new Jerusalem, the city that's 1,500 miles cubed. But hell, the Bible says death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire. That's where the unrighteous go who don't know the Lord. And that's where they will spend not a week, not a month, not 20 years, eternity. Seems awful, awful hard, doesn't it? But you know what? I'll tell you this. Especially in America, we are without excuse. We have Bibles everywhere. I've probably got 50 of them at my house. We've got Christian television on several channels on our TVs. We've got movies that are being made about Jesus. It's on and on and on. And you're without excuse. God's calling for you. Come to me. Come to me today. Don't put it off. I know people that, uh, that I love a lot who keep putting it off. They keep putting it off. But I'll tell you one thing. When that trumpet sounds in the clouds and you look up and Jesus is standing there, if you've been putting it off, it's too late for you. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to sober you up. 
Listen, if you're not right with the Lord, get right. It's a seed. Open your, the mouth of your heart and let the seed come in. He loves you. He doesn't want you to spend eternity in hell. He wants you to live with him. I've read a lot of books on uh, near-death experiences in the last five years, a lot of them, and uh, they're all very similar. Uh, they die. They feel, they feel like something's lifting, and, and their spirit comes out of their body. And Some of them are in the hospital, and they, they, they drift up to the ceiling, and they look down. They can see their body. They can see the uh, surgeon working on them. And then suddenly they find themselves in a long tunnel, drifting down, way down there, way, way down there. They see a light. And they drift and drift. And then when they get to the light, they come out of the tunnel, and there's a gate. On the other side of the gate are all of these people that they have loved, their mom, dad, grandparents, friends, babies that were miscarried. And over to the side... Jesus, the Son of the living God, standing there with His arms wide open. The gate opens. They, they go through it. Some of them go to their family. Some of them run over to Jesus. But everything's different. On the other side of that gate, it's nothing but joy. There's no more pain. There's no more disease. There's no more crying, no more tears. No more sin. It's glorious. I, I must have read, I don't know how many books, probably 80, 60 or 80 books on that. And they're all pretty, pretty close to the same. I know one thing. I want to be with him. How about you? Look at verse 6. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemes against the Holy Ghost, or Holy, yes, Holy uh, a Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. There's that unforgivable sin we talked about. And when they bring you unto the synagogues and unto magistrates and powers, take ye no thought how or what thing you shall answer or what you shall say for the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what you should say I don't think I ever had a revelation for many years after being saved I didn't have a revelation of what the totality of what God had done was there's how many gods only one God, but He manifests Himself in three different ways. He's the Father, He is the Son, and He is the Holy Spirit. Ooh, that's a mysterious one we don't know much about. But you need to know that when you give your heart and life to Jesus, 
that third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, comes right into your body and he finds your spirit and the two of you do this. You become one. And he doesn't come empty-handed. He comes bearing gifts, power, the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all there It's for a reason. It's for power. You shall see, receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, power. Power to do what? Power to help your neighbor. Power to help somebody find the Lord. Power to pray over somebody who's very ill and needs a healing. Power to, to take some of your finances and give it to someone else who's in need. Power to be a blessing. Power. And power in those times when you're alone. Listen to me. It's just you and him. The power to forget about all your troubles. You put that away for a minute or two and you reach out to him and you worship him. I, I got in the flesh one day. I said, Lord, are you an egomaniac that you have to be worshipped? You know what he said to me? I'm worthy to be worshipped. And you know what? One of the main reasons he loves you is because you have the ability to worship him. That's why he gave you a free will. He knows when you worship him, you mean it. Because you have a free will, you could just as easily say, I don't like you, God. Stay away from me. I don't want nothing to do with you. But instead of that, you put that away and you say, Lord, I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. I worship you, O oh Prince of Peace. That is what I want to do. I give you praise, for oh, you are my righteousness. I worship you, Almighty God. There is none like you. There is none like you and as you do that the Holy Spirit brings the seeds and all the things you thought were about to kill you and they had you down and you didn't think you could take it another minute suddenly they seem to dissolve and leave and joy the joy that you thought you had lost is restored back to you why? because you worshipped him because you praised him, because you told him, Lord, I love you. You may not think it's important to God whether you love him. If you think that, you're wrong. God, uh, you see, has a heart. How many of you want to be loved? Why do you think you got married? Why do you think you had a friend? And why do you think you, whatever, you wanted to be loved? and cared for and your God loves you and he cares for you there's no doubt about that I look at Luke chapter 12 and we're going to close and verse 49 this is Jesus talking I am come to send fire on the earth and what will I if it be already kindled 
but I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened till it accomplished, be accomplished? Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth, I tell you no, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two, and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father. The mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother. The mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Listen, when you come to the Lord, you are making a final decision that is lasting. And there'll be some in your family that won't understand it. They won't understand you. My poor mother, she, she saw the, where I was going and she said to my sister one day, I just hope John makes friends with his religion. See, she wasn't raised as a Christian either. She didn't understand. For almost a year before she died, I was working at Allied, uh, moving furniture. <laughs> and uh, my mother said, I, I want you to come over every day and I'll feed you lunch. I said, I'll make a deal with you. I'll only do that if you understand that I want to talk about Jesus. Okay. <laughs> every day she pulls out the lunch and I start telling her about Jesus. She never said a word. A year later, we were in Nebraska, I was, and I got a phone call that my mother was being taken to Lubbock. She'd had a, a brain embolism, a stroke. When I got to Lubbock, she was in a coma, but she could hear me. You know what I'm saying? Saying, Mom, Mom, are you cold? She'd do like this, or she'd do like this. And my brother and sister, we could only see her for 10 minutes every four hours, one of us. And my brother and sister were very cordial, cordial to allow me to go in there without them on several occasions. The one occasion I went in there and I said, Mom, can you hear me? I said, do you remember we talked about Jesus last year? Every day? And have you thought about what we talked about? And would you like to accept Jesus in your heart, be your Savior? A few hours later, she died. I got a phone call less than 30 minutes after she died. A lady here in Carl's bed heard we'd gone over, but she didn't know what was happening. She said, I don't know what's going on over there, but, but God, I was praying, and God told me to call you and tell you that he had your mother with him. That wasn't your mother. That's why you're not so excited, but... <laughs> It was my mother, and she's with him. My dad, two weeks before he died of cancer, his cousin in Texas, a Baptist guy. You don't know how to get saved, just ask a Baptist, they know. Called him and said, J.D., I just want to know one thing. Do you know my Jesus or not? And my dad on the phone said, yeah, I think I'm ready for that now. He died two weeks later. He's with him. The Bible says he'll save you and your house. You've got to lean on the seeds of God. A seed is a promise. It's a promise from God. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do that for you. You can count on me. I'm God. Nothing is impossible for me. I can do it and I will do it. So today, and my sister and my brother, both got saved and I'm their pastor. 
I remember one day my brother said, don't ever come over to my house again if you're going to talk about Jesus. I said, okay, but if I come over here and you bring it up, then I'll feel free to talk about it. Well, he said, you don't have to worry about that because I'll never bring it up. The next time I went over there, he brought up the subject. Every time I went over there, he brought up the subject. He got saved. My sister, Patty, who's in, she's an invalid now in bed at home but uh, with her husband, but uh, she gave her heart to the Lord. And she had a rough life. But God planted a seed. Won't you close your eyes? How many of you need a seed this morning? You need a seed planted in your heart. Let me see your hands. Be honest. Lord, do you see all these hands? Right now, I pray for them and the desires of their hearts. I pray, mighty God, that you will bless them, that you will plant a seed in their hearts so deep that it can never be removed. And the seed says simply, I love you. I have always loved you. I will always love you. You are mine. I am your father. You are my child. It's a seed. When you hear that and you receive it, it brings life. Lord, I ask you to plant life in our church, plant life in everybody in this room. If you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart and you'd like to, would you raise your hand? You'd like to. You're not sure you're saved. You're not sure if you die today, you'd, you'd go to heaven. Is there anybody like that? Father, as we go this morning, I'm glad everybody in our church is saved here this morning. I pray, Lord, that you'll bring us others who will need to, to, to accept you. Father, help us to be bold. Help us to be seed sowers. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, I want you to spend three or four minutes loving on somebody. Uh, bump elbows. And uh, you're dismissed. God bless you. This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.